Welcome to the Pete Primo Show. It is episode number 80, and I am here with Ari Galper, the world's number one authority on trust-based selling and the author of Unlock the Sales Game, Lessons from Toby, and The One Call Sale. I am so stoked for this. Uh, I will tell you that I have been a, uh, a student of Ari's forever, and uh, the only regret that I have is that I didn't come across it 20 years earlier. I'm going to pay the bills real quick, and then we'll have Ari come on. If you haven't bought my book, Sell a Million, what are you waiting for? 101 chapters on how to make more money selling furniture and mattresses by serving your customers better. What a novel idea, huh? And I want to thank you, Steve, my friends at the Mattress Industry Network for sponsoring the show. You guys are wonderful to me. And you're great to the industry. This is the only group in the industry that is run by retailers for the entire industry. If you want to know how to market, how to merchandise, how to succeed in today's market, join the Mattress Industry Network and tell them Pete sent you. So with that, Ari, welcome to the show. Thank you, Pete. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. No, it's my absolute pleasure. So without a further ado, let me just jump right into it. About 20 years ago, I got this course and it made a huge difference. And I will tell you that I wish that it had come 20 years earlier because I've been doing this for 40 years and it's very exciting when something comes together and you know that you know it as truth for you, but then you expand upon it. And so my very first question to you, Ari, is this, what was the ignition point? I mean, obviously you were a sales guy, you were very successful and what made you flip the switch and start? to think about sales in a different way. I'm talking about a technological glitch and maybe user error that kind of lets you behind the scenes and kind of changed how you thought about selling. Sure. So there was an experience that happened to me about 20 years ago, and I was a sales manager, a software company, and we launched the first online website tracking tools. You've probably heard of Google Analytics. Like you just ask for your website. Well, we had one of those tools we developed years ago. I was managing 18 salespeople at the time. And my job was bringing very large accounts in. And this one lead came across my desk, big opportunity. And I called the lead back. Uh, they were the huge company. You recognize your name. Lots of websites, big opportunity. If I close this one sale, it would double the, the revenue of the company in one sale. That's how big it was. And my contact, a uh, nice guy, he agreed to a conference call. And a webinar to show our product. And, and again, if, if I close this deal, it was a real, real big one. So they finally came. It was Friday, four o'clock in the afternoon. And I was in my conference room with my CEO. I closed the door behind me, big long conference table. In the middle of the table is the old school speaker phones. Remember the old black ones with the um, three lights on it, Star Trek looking phones? And um, I hit the speaker phone and the dial tone. And I dialed the number and it rings. He picks it up. He's like, Hey, Ari, how's it going? I said, Great, great. And he says to me, Ari, let us tell you who's with us today in the room. And I was like, oh, 
Sure, that sounds great. Next thing here is, my name's John, I'm CEO. I was like, ooh, this is good. My name's Mike, I'm head of global IT. Even better. My name is Mark, I'm head of global marketing. Amazing. I mean, everybody on this call was a decision maker. Like, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen today. So I was pretty excited. I introduced myself, explained what we do. And we all logged in and uh, started giving a live demo of our product over one of their websites. We collected ahead of time to show them some live stats. And I'm showing this to them uh, click by click. And I started hearing this noise on the phone call like, wow, this is great. This is amazing. I can't believe we can see this. This is fantastic. They started asking me all kinds of questions. How do we use it? Who are your clients? I mean, they had all the right kinds of questions. I had all the answers. There was so much chemistry on this phone call. It was like a love fest on the phone. You've been there before? I'm sure you probably have. Uh, you know, the chemistry was right. It was feeling so good. I was competent. I was friendly. I wasn't aggressive. I was answering objections. I was building rapport. I was doing everything I was taught to do, the books that I read, the seminars I went to, everything by the book. And look, it was like the perfect sales call. And the call comes to an end about an hour later after all the questions are answered. And my contacts is me, Ari, this is great. We love it. Look, give us a call a couple of weeks, follow up with us, and we'll move this thing forward. And I was like, oh, thank you. What a perfect ending to a sales call. I was so excited. And I said my goodbyes. And I took my hand, reached for the speakerphone, hit the off button. And I was reaching for the speakerphone button by complete accident. Now I said divine intervention. I hit the mute button instead of the off button. I just hit the wrong button there right next to each other. And a small click happened. And they thought I hung up the phone. In that split second, a voice inside of me said, Ari, go to the dark side. Be a fly in the wall. Go where no one's ever gone before in the world of sales. So I pulled my thumb back for a couple seconds. They started talking amongst themselves, thinking I had left the call. Now, you'd imagine if you heard the story that you'd probably hear pretty good things after a call we just had. I expected to hear things like, hey, this is great. Let's move forward. Let's contact him. But let me share what I, what I heard verbatim word for word. I'll never forget it. It's why we're, why we're all here today. What they said was this. They said, we're not going to go with him. Keep using him for more information and make sure we shop someplace else cheaper. Mm. Knife and heart twist. I, I was in a state of shock. I mean, I could not believe it. And I looked at the wall and I snapped out of it and I hit the off button. And I said to myself, what did I do wrong? I did everything I was taught to do in sales. Build relationship, answering questions, everything. And the first big epiphany hit me. And that was this. And I asked myself, why were they afraid to tell me the truth? Why all these games? Why not just tell me up front what the plan was? And so I realized at that moment, I had a bit of a breakthrough. I realized there's this invisible of flow of pressure that flows underneath every sales conversation you have with somebody. And unless you can rise above the conversation and remove the pressure from that dialogue, there'll always be a game going on and they won't feel comfortable telling you the truth. There'll be what I call the service level of the conversation. Never go deep with you. And you can't build what I call a moment of vulnerability with them where they feel comfortable telling you where they stand. And that's when I had the big shift and I realized I got to change this. I got to unlock this game because it's horrible. It's dysfunctional. I am chasing clients. It feels degrading to have to be in a situation like this. And I said, that's it. I'm done with this. So I 
And that's my whole philosophy called unlock the, unlock the game, where the whole concept is a mindset shift backed up with language, which we'll talk about today, where your goal is not to focus on the sale anymore. Your goal is to focus on getting to the truth of people so you know where you stand. And that became the whole premise of philosophy for the last two decades. And of course, now helped thousands of entrepreneurs all over the world uh, change their trajectory around their fortunes. So I posted a, a copy of, of the book, um, Lessons from Toby. And, and I said to the group, this is when I fell in love with Ari Galper. Can you tell me how Toby influenced your sales, um, um, your sales system that you ended up developing? Between it turns out, at the same time the experience happened to me, I had my first son, uh, Toby, and uh, after he was born, about a day after he was born, we were told that he had Down syndrome, and at first we didn't know what that meant to our lives. We realized we had a gift on our hands. If anyone knows someone who has Down syndrome, you know that they're beautiful people. They're very transparent. They're loving. They're open. They have no hidden agenda. And I married my experience on that sales call with how he views the world. And I realized he's the role model. And I've got to take lessons from him of how he is with people and embed that into my philosophy of how to build authentic trust with people, not playing games, not having a hidden agenda and actually willing to step into the other person's world more than your own. That's what, he, that's what he does. And he's kind of our mascot. And that book uh, I've written has l a one lesson every day for a year about how he views the world. And that all my clients get that as a gift. If the private clients of mine, they have them you know, on their bedside, uh, noted with notes on there. And really his philosophy of how he, he views the world and lives his life is very much embedded in what I teach how I run my business. And uh, I think the world right now uh, needs authenticity and trust. And boy, uh, his view of the world is is really timeless. Yeah. Um, Ari, I'm going to ask you the first question that I've got. It's sure. from Lori. Ari, I looked at your website. It sounds like most of your sales training is aimed at business to business. Will your trust-based sales techniques work in a retail store? Thanks, well, actually, Lori. it's designed for human to human. <laughs> uh, even, though are, <laughs> even though there are quite a few testimonials from companies uh, selling services. So I, I can't tell you how many folks have come my way, got my book, the consulting with us, who do a lot of uh, B2C selling, especially uh, high price point selling. Um large retail uh, price products. Um, I used to work, I, you might mention the story with a mattress company who sold very high-end mattresses. Uh, but no, it, it, this applies really to any situation as long as the environment is a lower volume, higher price point. If it's high volume, low, low price point, it's difficult to build trust people because it's really pretty much mostly transactional. Right, right. So, the mattress store owners that are in Mattress Industry Network Group, you guys all know who Jeff Janakovo is. You guys know how successful he's been at Gardner's Mattress and more. I have to tell you a funny story. So I'm in the store and I'm hearing a sales people use, tell me in front of a sentence, drilling for more information in different ways creatively. 
And I've never heard any retail salesperson use that. And so I said to Jeff, I said, Jeff, you know, I'm a, I'm a student of sales. And that tell me script is Ari Galpers. He goes, Ari helped me with, with my store. And a lot of what we do is based on Ari's teachings. So he's been super successful and uh, just gone on to do incredible things. Not, not just with his mattress store, but with other businesses. Uh, Jeff actually flew me in from Australia to spend a day in on the floor, in the store, on the ground with the team. Uh, it was a great experience. And hello, Jeff, if you're, if you're listening to this. Yeah, yeah. Well, if he's not listening now, it's only because he's he's tied up. Um, but he's uh, he is a true believer. Okay, Ari, I own a mattress store. No surprise. I love the idea of trust-based selling, but my customers lie to me all the time. Do you really think your techniques will help me to get uh, customers to tell me the truth? You can if you change the way you approach them. Because they're coming into your store assuming they're going to be sold something. Right. And they're already predicting your behavior. So if you say things like, how can I help you? Or what are you looking for? You know, anything that sounds like typical sales speak, right? it's over. You're stuck in that stereotype. But if you change your thinking on this and change your languaging, like with languaging like this, uh, would you be open to a couple options? What were your thoughts on this um what's important to you if you change your languaging that is not salesy but more trust-based like that yeah i've got a whole book on that stuff but the words themselves and with the right intention behind them sends a message that you're someone that goes beyond the sale you actually here it comes you actually care about them and if they're treating you like a typical salesperson and there's friction going on, it's because something you're doing wrong in your process is not allowing them to feel that you actually care about them. So, you know, the experience that you had, Ari, um, is very dramatic, but we've all had some experiences like that. That was really, you know, an epitome moment and what is it in your character that made you dig further and actually kind of put the honest on you? Like, I must have done something wrong. I got this behavior. What do I need to change? So many times, so many people in life forget about selling, but it happens in selling too. We blame the other person for their bad behavior. And we don't look at what could I have done differently, but you did that. And you came up with a whole new way of selling that is changing the world, has changed the world, and will continue to change the world, Ari. So what is it that made you come back and own this uh Instead of just saying, you know what, the guy's a creep, he's just a bad dude, or you know, they're bad people, and dismiss it. But you you actually changed 
everything about the way you sold? Well, that's a very astute question of you, uh, from you, because I realized that we have been conditioned. We have been conditioned over the years to focus on our, on our own goal of making the sale. And when we do that, what happens is if it doesn't go well, we blame everything else around us for it not, us not being successful. And I realized that we have to take ownership. We have to realize that people react to us. Whatever we're doing is a reaction to us. And you may not be, be aware of certain things you're saying or doing right now in your email communication, live, face-to-face, or over the phone or on Zoom, that you're sending a message that you're part of the stereotypical group of people who are there just for the sale. What you have to do is begin to look at, recognize your own thinking and your own behavior and say to yourself, what can I do to change my thinking? What can I do to change my languaging so the other person feels for me that they, that, that I'm the doctor and they're a patient. I'm here to help them with their problem, not just make the sale. Now, I'm sure many of you listen to this or watching this. You have your heart's in the right place. You do care about people, but subconsciously you're still saying certain things or doing certain things or being over-enthusiastic that sends the wrong message at the wrong time that creates that stereotypical image of yourself. So the real key here is to what I call detox. Uh, and I've got coaches who can work with you on this to kind of shift your thinking away from how you've been trained your whole career and upgrade your skill set to match up to where the psyche is right now of the typical consumer or business owner that you sell to. Because Trust right now is the lowest one ever has been before. And I believe trust is a new currency. If you can focus on building deep trust with people, and deep trust means this. You know when you go to a party, you meet someone, and you say to yourself, he just gets me. She just gets me. Or you you, you got married, you met your partner, and you say, she just gets me. That's the feeling they have to have from you, that he just understands me, that she gets me. If you're not... If you don't have the skills to create that moment with someone, you'll be playing the numbers game your whole life and chasing people and never hitting your goals. Well, and that is one of the biggest myths, right? Sales is a numbers game. And if you leave it alone at that, and if you own a mattress store, you're only going to get so many customers in in a day. On a good day, you might get three or four. On a bad day, you get none. And so what is the answer to, to, to that myth, Ari? Well, I believe sales is not a numbers game. I believe it's about how good you are at creating trust with every single person you speak with. Now, if you get that way of thinking, you don't need volume to succeed because you have five come in your store that day and they're all looking to solve a problem and they aren't on buying something from you. They won't went wrong. It's not the product. I assume you have good products. It's not your location. I assume it's reasonable. They came to you. Something went wrong in your ability to unpack and uncover and peel the onion back of what they were really looking for and what they need to feel comfortable moving forward. And that requires you, what I call going down the iceberg with them, going below the surface level of their issue and asking questions where they feel that you're diagnosing their problem and where they want to help them. I love it using the onion peel because what you're encouraging us to do is to go deeper. And it's yes. one of the things that I'm constantly harping on. Yes. If you lost the sale, you didn't go deep enough. Yes. Steve, thank you for your question. How do you recover trust? 
with the customer when shipping has been delayed and they are angry. Why would you ever have that question, Steve? I mean, you haven't had, I mean, listen, you've had about two or 300 practice runs at it in the last year and a half. <laughs> How do you recover trust with the customer when shipping has been delayed and they are angry? You apologize. That's it. That's all you can do. You apologize and say, on behalf of myself and my company, I wish I could wave a warrant and I can control the entire process. And if I would right now, I would make that happen. But this element of the process is out of my control and I feel just as bad about it as you do. And if I had control of the situation to that extent where I could run that company, I would fly it on a helicopter back to you. But unfortunately, I can't do that. So we just have to be patient at this point. Be honest with them. And Steve, that goes to managing expectations. I spent a lot of time talking about managing expectations when we know now the first 10 times it happened, we didn't know. Uh, but supply chain in our industry has just been horrible as it has been in many, Ari. And uh, that's a very real question that that Steve gets. Getting back to this, go deeper. Oftentimes, we think about our sale and we go back to it. And we're asking ourselves, why do we lose the sale? And we almost always start at the wrong end. Like, what, what words did I use to close it? And... The reality is it was probably something that happened a long, long time ago, earlier in the sales process. Yes. So my premise has always been the sale is not lost at the end of the process. It's lost at the beginning, at hello. And I'll prove it to you right now in a fun way. If you're making an outbound call and you say to somebody, hi, my name is, I'm with, we are a, what goes through your mind in about three seconds? It's over at hello, isn't it? Sales call. Yep. And, and I, don't have, I'll, I don't have time for it. Yep. And I'll make the case that many people here who are doing outbound selling and uh, could be losing their opportunities at the beginning and not the end. Because if you don't build trust from hello, you don't have the exact languaging to do that with people, then it's too late to recover that at the end. And then you're stuck in the numbers game. You have to have volume to make enough to make a living. See, if you can figure out how to narrow down your focus and really connect with people at hello from the beginning and go down the iceberg with them, unpack their issues, but don't jump in too early and provide solutions until they give you the magic phrase, which is, how can you help me? That's called the moment of vulnerability where they say to you, how can, I, how can you help me? Then you that, have permission to onboard them from there. Yeah, that's that's the that that's where it all changes. And you are no longer a quote salesperson. You are becoming or have at least started to become in their mind a trusted advisor, which is where we want to operate from as soon as we can. And a lot of that has to do with not saying and doing other salesy things that other salespeople say, right? You want to do the opposite and don't speak any language in the salespeople use. You want to speak like a doctor. 
They're the patient. When you go see a doctor, what's the first thing that they say to you? They say, what does it hurt? Yeah. And you say, my shoulder right over here. And he says, let me take a look over here. Oh, ooh, that's sensitive. Let's get you an x-ray right away so I can see what's going on there. You're like, okay, doc. They get the x-ray, put it on that little light bulb thing with light. And they look at it and go, see the little black spot right there? You got a problem. Here's what's going on. You got this and this and this and this. And all of a sudden, you feel a sense of relief that finally someone's explained to you why it hurts. Then next step is you write your prescription and then you say thank you. You walk out the office and you go one more place before you go to your car. You know where you go? You go to the front desk and you pay. You pay the doctor <laughs> for not solving your problem, but for giving you clarity and a plan to solve it. Yeah. And we think about that process there. There's a sequence of events that have to occur to make all that happen. That's what we have to think about. That's what I'm, I'll be talking about in my new book coming out next year called The One Call Sale. So the most valuable thing in Unlock the Game was this for me. Can you see that? The mindset. Can you talk about the shift that you make and that you help salespeople make in, in their mindset? Um, and I'm going to kick this off with saying, I, I used to say this in a very brutal way in the early 80s to my salespeople. I was a, I was a store manager and I had a handful of salespeople. And I said, if you guys are calculating in your mind while you're working with a customer, your commissions, they can sense it and they can feel it. And moreover, you can sense it and you can feel it. And if you're wondering why everything seemed to fit and that customer just walked out, it's because of what you were putting out. And, you know, you have to get away from that and you have to get to a place where you're doing it for them instead of doing it for you. And, one of the beautiful things about your mindset is you really help us get to a better place where internally what we're thinking and what we start to feel as salespeople radiates out. And even if we don't use the words exactly 100% right, the feeling that you are sending out will get you a lot of sales that were on the cusp that you were missing just from some of these mindset shifts that Ari's going to talk about. Look, when I say mindset shift, what that means is it means learning how to let go of the sale in your mind and not having your agenda before theirs. When you put your agenda before someone else, they can sense you're not being authentic with them. They can see you have a hidden agenda. Now you can smile all you want and be as nice as you like, ask the right kinds of questions, but they can tell from your energy, from your tonality of your voice, from your intentionality, that you're going somewhere with them. You're trying to move them down to a next step. And when they feel that from you, it's over. You've lost trust with them. So part of this transformation is letting go of your own goal and stepping into their world and going as deep as you can into their problem. So they feel that you've gone deeper and beyond anyone else to understand them ever before. And when they feel understood by you, 
Then you reach for that call to the bottom of the iceberg where they actually do trust you. Then you can say, where would you like to go from here? Yeah, because they're closed at that point. You, you've bridged, you bridged that gap and you've become a trusted authority. So specifically, when you're working people between mattresses and you're asking them how these mattresses feel to them, instead of giving them a mini sales pitch on every mattress, you are starting to put yourself in a different category away from the other salespeople that they run into at other stores. Because at other stores, the salesperson does something that no salesperson should ever do. They start to make a recommendation before they've diagnosed the problem, which is the opposite of what a doctor, as Ari said, does. The doctor says, what's hurting? How long has it been hurting? Does it hurt when you do this? Does it hurt when you do that? Then the inspection, then the test, then a diagnosis. So when you are new to sales, we have this, this energy and this, um, this newfound knowledge, and we want to share it with everybody. And the problem with that is if you share all the knowledge you have about mattresses to your customer, you're not going to make any sales or make very few. When you start to ask more questions about them instead of telling them how great your solution is before you know everything that's going on, you are separating yourself from all the other retail salespeople that they have worked with. And I'm going to tell you guys a funny story. I worked a sale at, I'll tell you the store name, uh, JV Schultz, a 110,000 square foot store. I probably sold 40 or 50 mattresses that day myself. And that was just overflow. Probably six or 700 mattresses got sold that day. Many years ago, I did a sales meeting before that. And before I did my sales meeting, which really re revolved around features and benefits and outcomes and what's in the mattress, I said one warning and it was, I'm going to tell you all this stuff about mattresses, but I don't want you to use hardly any of it. Just use one or two when you need to and make the whole conversation about the customer and what their aches and what their pains are and get really good at getting them to tell you more. And so at the end of the day, it's about seven or eight o'clock at night. It was a long day. And this uh, young lady comes up to me and she goes, Pete, I've watched you. She goes, all that stuff at the meeting that you told me about, you didn't hardly use any of it. I think you might have said one or two things to one or two different customers. And I've watched you like 20 different times. I said, yeah. And she goes, well, what do you got to say for yourself? And I said, did you hear the part where I told you don't, if you, if you have to talk about all these features and benefits and outcomes, you're going to lose the customer. You only use the ones when 
you actually have identified the right mattress based on feel, based on their needs, then you might use one. Very often, I don't use any. And what customers are buying more than anything is our confidence. And Ari, you do such a great job of talking about this um, and and making that change uh, where salespeople um, become more confident because of the mindset that they have of getting to the truth of the customer situation instead of hanging on to this old notion that, you know what, I got to make the sale. You know, my sales manager's over there. He or she's watching me. I've got to make the sale. I've got to make the sale. I've got to make the sale. And it creates this situation in your mind where you cannot fully embrace what the customer's saying. And the customer speaks to you in a lot of ways. They speak to you with their words and they speak to you with their body language. And if you're not open to receiving that, if, if you're not focused on what is the truth, what is the truth of what he or she is saying to me, you're going to miss all of that. Ari, what say you? The irony of all this is if you let go of the sale in your mind when you're with someone, you make more sales. And I know it sounds contrarian because you're probably being brought up to believe from who you've been taught in the past around selling that your goal is to focus on making that sale and focus on the close. And it turns out with the way the world's changed right now, it's not about the close, it's about the open. It's how good you are at building trust from the beginning and how quickly they assess you as being someone who cares about their own intention and not about your goal. If you don't cross over that line from the beginning in your process, you'll be chasing what I call ghosts. People say they're interested, never end up buying, never call you back. You chase them again. They come to the store out the back door. It, especially in a situation where you're retail and they're coming to you, that's like the dream come true. If you lose them when they're coming to you, then definitely you've got the problem of attempting to do something that they weren't comfortable with. Now, here's the thing. They'll never tell you this. They'll never say to you, I'm just not quite comfortable with how you're treating me right now. Uh, I know you're trying to sell me something. They, they won't tell you this verbally, but I'll tell you inside, it's screaming and they got their guard up the whole time and they're holding back from you from telling you the truth and they're probably poss possibly even using you to go shop someplace else unless you penetrate that wall with them and it can be done in one situation, one live face-to-face -face situation. When you are open to letting go of hype trying to sell for such a long time. So the fascinating thing, Ari, is when you fully embrace Ari's mindset of I want to get to the truth of what the customer needs are, and I'm going to let go of this. I've got to make a sale. I got to make a sale. You let go of that completely and you 100% focus on them, what happens is everything that you are sending to the customer is openness. And they're going to respond in kind and they're going to start to understand that, boy, you know what? This guy or gal, they don't say 
the same things that the other guy or gal said down the street. They're not telling me it's a one-day sale and this one's 70% off and I have to buy this one or I'm going to lose it. They're asking me about how I feel on the mattress. They're asking me about my aches and pains. And they're asking me to clarify how I feel about things. And you know, when your mindset is right, you don't need sales armor. And, and Ari, you do such a beautiful job about talking about sales armor that we as salespeople, and it doesn't matter if we're B2B or if we're B2C, we're human to human, as you say, uh, LinkedIn user, many B2C human, human to human transactional salespeople who approach me on big ticket items should be listening to this session. Powerful. Thank you. <laughs> yes. The whole world has not converted over to trust-based selling, but they should. Well, it's funny because I've been at this for 20 years now and I always hear people say to me every once in a while, what would happen, Ari, if everyone else does what, what you teach? Then it wouldn't be unique. I said, if that day ever comes, <laughs> we have a better world. <laughs> <laughs> it would be a better world. And you know what? It's not a technique, though. It's not no, a it's technique. about the way it's, you are with people. It's a fundamental people. shift. It's a fundamental internal shift that you make. And, and when you make this shift, um, and, and for me, and you can clean up after this, Ari, because I don't want to um, say something that is not exactly the way that you teach it. Uh, but for me, when Ari started talking about this right here, fit. I had already started getting there. But when I I was using it as a reverse, as a way to push back on a customer and to to as a sales technique. But when I internalized that, I don't want the sale unless it's a good fit. I don't want the sale unless everybody wins. And the only way everybody wins is if it's a good fit, once that became part of my mindset, it wasn't a selling technique anymore. Yeah. Once you let go of your agenda and you focus completely on them, everything is easier. It feels more natural. It feels like a normal conversation. You can, as you said, take out the sales armor because people put on what I call sales armor every day when they go to work because they're afraid of the bullets. Bullets coming their way from rejection, from chasing people. And when you can lower your guard and they can lower their guard, then you have connectivity and authentic level people. And that's what real trust is. Trust is when both parties let go of their agenda and they tell each other the truth. And I'll, I'll leave you with this, is that what your customers want from you is they want you to be a truth teller. They, whether it's good or bad, you know, things like, look, this is about you and your ability to sleep better, not about me making the sale here. Whatever you want to do is up to you. But if you want to focus on solving your problem, I can give you some ideas for that. But it's up to you if you want to solve it or not. You see, it's like, you got to let them know you're not here just to make the sale. 
you're here to help them decide whether they want to solve their problem or not. And when you focus on that, the burden's off of you to having to sell yourself. Can you talk about hopium and what a destructive drug this could be for a salesperson, if not addressed? Sure. So hopium is kind of a joke, but it's actually kind of real. It's sort of this, you know, it's like, I'll tell you the story briefly. I got an inbound call recently from a a big company and the phone rang, got through my team, got to me, unscheduled call. I picked the phone up and I hear uh, Mr. Galper. Yep. And he says, uh, I'm with XYZ Company. You, they're a huge business company, global. And we're looking to bring someone in to change the culture of our sales team and our processes and catch up with, the, with how the world's changed. We're looking at you and uh, two other people right now. We'd like to know, first of all, why should we go with you? Why are you the best? And give me your best sales pitch. He says this to me, inbound, right? So... <laughs> The hopium instinct is like, oh my God, they're calling me. This is a huge company. This is like the dream call. You know, the hopiums are get so excited, you know, but then I got centered back in my, my philosophy, my mindset. I took a deep breath and I lowered my voice. And I said this to him, I said, well, isn't that interesting? And then I paused and I said, over here at our company, we have a very similar process to you, where we ask some questions, gather information, to see if we're a good fit. And if we're a good fit, we decided where to go from there. And I said to him, would you be open to that? That's all I said to him. Then I didn't hear a thing, like a pin could drop. I didn't hear anything. And then he actually breathed across the phone. I felt his breath come across the phone. I can tell he lowers his shoulders of tension. He lowers his voice and he says to me, uh, okay, what kind of questions do you have for me? Next thing I know, we're having a normal conversation. And within five minutes, I discover one, he's not a decision maker. Two, he has no budget. And three, he's just curious as to what I do. And off he went for some of my stuff online and I hung up the phone. Now, what did I process, Pete? Just saved me months of chasing, chasing, hopium, numbers game, all that dysfunctional activity that we are taught to believe is normal. That is abnormal. If you're chasing ghosts like that, you did something wrong. So, when you make that decision in your mind that I'm going to stop chasing, I have something of value here and I'm going to stop chasing. It's almost like you're planting your feet in the ground in a much more solid place from which to sell from. And you're not really selling anymore. You're discovering the truth and you are able at that point to be very authentic with the customer and to go much, much deeper than any salesperson ever could. You know, one of the, one of the worst things that happen, um, is when customer puts the customer hat on and the salesperson puts the salesperson hat on salesperson exits salesy and the customer goes, it's okay to lie. 
to the salesperson. It's just something in our culture. And the more salesy you are, the more comfortable they are lying to you, which kind of goes back to, was it Bill? Yeah, Bill's, Bill's, uh, Bill's uh, question, which is multi-layered. I mean, how do you get people to stop lying to you? It, it, it starts at hello, just like I already said. And it starts before hello. It starts with internally what's happening with you. Are you desperate to make a sale internally? Or do you want to discover the truth of the customer's needs and how you might be a fit for their needs? And then specifically, the language in and all of the other things become very important at that point. But until you get that mindset changed, you're just you're 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 pushing the sale away from you, literally pushing it away from you. Yeah. So I'm going to say something to you, and I want to get your reaction to this. And it happens in retail a lot. It happens everywhere, but it happens in retail. Every day. What the customer wants often isn't what they need. So how do we help them get to want what they really need? Well, you have to be willing to go below the surface of what they think they want. You have to be willing to ask them questions that go belong below below their ex, above, beyond their expectations, where they say to themselves, "Man, he or she's asked me some really good questions to really help me understand what I actually need." Because in many cases, customers don't know what they actually need, only what they want, right? Because they see the world 180 degrees. All they see is what's in front of them. You see it 360 because you're from the outside, so you have a larger view than they would of their own problem. Hence, the doctor-patient model metaphor, right? So when they come to you say, I'm looking for X, sure, you accept that, but ask some questions about why they're looking for X. And maybe that might help them get more clarity. And that's an important word. You want to give your customers clarity, not value. And I tell everyone, stop using the word value. What the heck does that even mean? Clarity is what customers want. They want clarity on the best way to solve their own problem. And if you can provide that clarity by helping them see things they can't see on their own about their own problem, you've arrived. It's over. They're going to work with you only. So let's talk about, and we've talked about it throughout the entire time, but our, our time is getting short. And Ari, I could go, I could go talk to you for two or three hours and probably put you to bed. But one of the things that I love about your selling system that I think you do better than any of the other gurus that I've ever heard is talking about diffusing pressure and like us having an adult conversation about what emotionally is happening to the customer what emotionally is happening to the average salesperson and where the tensions lie and how to diffuse the pressure. 
So this goes to a classic scenario around objections. Well, we're taught when you get an objection, your job is to overcome it. Right? It's either fight or flight. That's our instinct when someone gives us an objection. Right? In our world, we don't overcome objections. What we do is we diffuse them. We take the pressure out of the conversation to re-engage again. Let me give you an example as we're coming to an end here. Let, let, let's just say someone says to you, uh, your price is too high. Right? They'll That's never hear that. <laughs> you, probably don't, you don't hear that one at all. I'm sure you don't. Not very common. You know, our, our normal reaction is to defend the price. Defend right. yourself. To try and overcome the objection. Right. Or we just back away and say, well, I just the way it is. We're stuck on both ends of the, of the spear. Well, there's a middle ground if you know how to diffuse the pressure to re-engage again. So if someone says, you know, I'll give you this one example. And I've got every single objection mapped out with the language next to it. So you can learn all this. But the, I'll give you an example right now. If someone says to you, your price is too high. The first thing you're going to say is this. You're going to say, you're absolutely right. It can be perceived as high. No doubt about that. If you haven't had a chance to actually use our services or our products, you haven't actually had a chance to use it yet, from the outside in, it can appear that way. No doubt about that. Would you be open to us re-looking at how this may be able to help you solve your problem? to see if there's something that it, it will make sense for you. Would you be open to that? Or another phrase might be, would you be open to us, if you're doing more B2B stuff, willing to do, build a business case around this to show the ROI so it makes sense for you? There's all kinds of things you can say here to re-engage again, but the point of it here is how to diffuse. Can I uh, do a little sales coaching here, but you feel free to jump in? Yeah. Ari does it so well that you may not have even seen it, but you felt it. What didn't he do? He didn't defend. His body language didn't go back. He didn't, oh my God, like it's the first time you've ever heard it. Listen, if you guys have never heard your price is too high, I want your whoever is working with you to say it to you a hundred times in a row until you don't flinch anymore. Because... If you don't get good at that, you will not have a career in retail sales, period. And probably in wholesale sales either. He didn't flinch. He didn't react. He didn't add energy to it. He didn't become defensive. He actually slowed it down. And he drew you in. And that is gold. That is pure gold. So where do you think we should go from here is so beautiful in so many ways to me because I've always said if, if at the end of the sale you can say that the sale's made already. You made the sale earlier, or should I say you, uh, Ari, you have great style and presence. Cool message today. Thanks, Pete. 
No, thank you. Thank you. And you know what? I can't get enough of Ari. Um, you know, even though I'm a, even though I've read all of your stuff on, on mindset and cold calling and I got your, uh, fast, uh, fast start pack. I still in preparation for this, uh, bought your newest book, unlock the sales game and guys and gals, what, a, what a great, great book that everybody should get. And, and that's just a start, but anyone that has watched this and has enjoyed this and wants to learn more, um, you need to go to Ari's website, unlock the sales game. It is, it's a really well done, uh, website. Um, I'm not done here, but I want to make sure that everybody, um, goes to Ari's site and, you know, if you own a business, if you're a professional salesperson, you owe it to yourself and to your business and to all the employees that that depend for a living on on what kind of revenue you bring into the business and how profitable that revenue is. You owe it to yourself. And not only that, one of the things that I said to Ari before we got on, I said, Ari, I had one regret. And that is that I did not discover unlock the sales game for 20 years. The first 20 years of my selling life, I spent unnecessarily wrapped up in my own mind, putting myself in these crazy scenarios. I got to make the sale. I got to make the sale. I got to make the sale. And then I've got to be tough. I have to overcome. And, you know, when you talk about rejection, Ari, it is like poetry. Can you just talk about that very quickly uh, about rejection and uh, your thoughts on it? Because it's it's a gift that will keep on giving for many, many years. Well, it doesn't have to exist. You can el eliminate rejection by not being wedded to a yes. See, if your goal is to focus on the sale and make the sale and they say no, that's rejection. But if you tell the other person, I'm okay with whatever your decision is, whether it's a yes or a no, just saying that, just try saying that to yourself. Try saying that to someone else in your process. I'm okay whether it's a yes or no. Uh, what, what's the most important to you is, is us solving your problem. If you can just say that to people and believe what you're saying, there's no rejection. There's nothing to say no to because they realize that you're there to help them. And if it's not a fit between you and them, that's okay. Because they're going to happen anyways. So the sale itself goes off the table and you just focus and let them know you're here to solve their problem. And if they're not a fit, no problem. Have a nice day. If they're a fit, then you work together. So you use the fit model uh, as the juncture that decides whether you work with them or not. That eliminates rejection. Yeah. And, and you know what? It just, it, it makes your selling life easier when you approach it that way. And I, and I know somebody out there is saying, but Pete, I got to pay my bills. I got to make sales. You know, the, I, I get that. But when you embrace this, 
you, I'm sorry, I have to read this. Patrick Tinney, amazing author. Just got to give Patrick a little shout out. Perpetual Hunger, yes. Networking Secrets and the bonus round. Patrick Tinney, you are an absolute unadulterated stud sales master and trainer. Patrick says, no is only a temporary state. No is not always forever. And boy, isn't that true. And when we get so hung up on, we got to get a yes now, or, you know, it's never going to happen. We almost cheat ourselves. Uh, and we make life a lot harder than, than it has to be. But what I was saying before Patrick uh, so kindly made a comment is I have attracted to me a bunch of really great sales reps and sales reps. I shouldn't do this because you're my competitors. So cold call and made easy by Ari Galper. It stinks. Don't get it. It's horrible. If you're in the industry, it stinks. If you're not in my industry, it's unbelievably great. And we didn't talk about it today because we are mostly focused on, um, on, our, on our retail store owners. But if you are a sales rep, you owe it to yourself to get on Ari's site and poke your head around and play this again and again. And when you start to see that Ari has very specific speech patterns, very specific reasons for what he's doing at every point in time, you'll start to appreciate what he does. And you're going to want to get involved with, with Ari because it will make a world of difference. Not only will you make more money, but you're going to have a longer life. You know, I'm convinced that my first 20 years took a good five years off of my life. And, you know, ever since I embraced, I just want the truth. I really just want us to be a fit. And as we go through and we ask each other questions and we talk to each other, that we discover the truth about the customer's needs. And if there's a fit, great. And if there isn't a fit, then that's great too. I win either way. And you take all that pressure off. Guess what? Selling gets to be fun again, guys. Hey, Pete, it, I've, got, I've got a hard stop. I'm going to jump off. Uh, yes. Top of the hour. So I want to thank you so much for having me today. I really appreciate it. Nope. Thank you, Ari. And anybody that enjoyed what Ari had to say and you want more Ari Galper, go to Unlock the Game. And with that, it's a wrap. Thank you, Ari. Have a great day. Signing Appreciate off. Take you. care, my friend. Bye-bye. Thank you.